Hey Sox fans, welcome to Good Guys Talk Back, episode 35, a recording on Wednesday, August 21st, 2019. I am Nick Morawski, and this is your Chicago White Sox podcast that is fan-centric and blue-collar. Uh, I am solo uh, for this portion of the podcast. It might sound a little bit different. I'm, I'm in my own home bunker here. Um, normally, I'll be joined with my co-host, Jeff Julian. He can't be with us right now, uh, but we've got a lot of Sox talk coming your way. If this is the first time you've been with us, we appreciate you joining. Uh, if you've been with us since the beginning, uh, we really appreciate that. Uh, again, this is Good Guys Talk Back, your everything Chicago White Sox podcast. Uh, you can find us on Twitter, at TB. You can also find our Facebook page, uh, Good Guys Talk Back, and find us on uh, Instagram. Uh, so this episode uh, 35, uh, I'm recording right after this series win in Minnesota. Sacks win a, uh, an outstanding game, 4 nothing, uh, to take two of three from the Twins in Minnesota behind a Giolito gem. That's right, Lucas Giolito. A complete game, 12 strikeouts, scattered three hits. Uh, you know, what else does this guy have to do? I mean, what in an amazing year this guy is having. An all-star, you know, fell off a little bit post-all-star uh, break, uh, figured things back out. What a, a great sign of an ace. I think we could start calling him an ace. When you notice something's a little off in your mechanics, Goes back, looks at that footage, gets helps from folks uh, in the dugout, hopefully Coop, and comes back and throws uh, an outstanding game against the team that put up 14 runs against the Sox the previous night. Yet game two of that Minnesota series was ugly. Absolutely ugly, uh, thanks in most part to our bullpen. But here you got a team in the Minnesota Twins, that's one of the most powerful teams in the American League. Not just home runs, but man, they can mash. They'll rip doubles, they'll rip triples, they'll hit it in the gap. I mean, they'll stack two or three runs on you before you know it. We saw that in game two. And here comes Giolito in a day game. Okay, 12 strikeouts, scatters three hits in a complete game. I mean, talk about a stopper. Talk about a guy that we need on this staff that we've been waiting for since really Chris Sale. A guy that comes in after a tough loss and says, no, 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 it stops here. It stops with me. You know, Sox had just enough offense for a game like this for Giolito. Uh, awesome series in Minnesota. That place gives us nightmares. It always has. I mean, it's a beautiful stadium, beautiful field. I went there a few years ago. Target Field is, is located in a great area. But this team, this Minnesota team, is scary. And I was watching that, that game, game two, where they pounded us 14-4. to four, And I was saying to myself, man, we are light years behind the Twins. We are light years. We just do not have the thumpers that the Twins have. But what the Twins lack is pitching. And you're seeing the Cleveland Indians catch up to them. They're three games out right now, the Indians are. They were almost a dozen a few months ago. 
But Cleveland's got pitching, and they're not even all the way healthy. I don't think Minnesota's pitching can stick around and help them all the way through the playoffs. I really don't. It's pitching, 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 pitching. And the Sox, you're starting to see, man, they have got the pitching. It, it's, it's starting to bud. It, it's, it's really developed and bloomed in, in, in some of our guys. Um, and pitching is going to beat hitting. Good pitching is going to beat uh, hit good hitting. And we saw that today with Giolito. Very exciting stuff. Sox wrap up their road trip um, and are coming home for seven games. So state of the Sox, uh, 57 and 69, uh, 19 and a half out of first place in the AL Central, 16 games out of that wild card, if you're still kind of following that wild card. Um, so Sox are 12 games under 500 right now here on August 21st, with really about a month and change left in the season. Remember, the Sox in 2019 were 38 games under 500 when we finished that year, 62 and 100. Okay, so sitting right now at you know 12 games under, not bad. And I still think, looking at the remaining schedule, I think they could claw out about a 500 going out the rest of the way. You know, you're going to get Mancata back, I hope, very soon, maybe this upcoming series. You got Anderson heating up. It's really, it's really, it's really exciting stuff. So the Sox, 5-5 five and five in their last 10 games, no surprise there. In longer stretches, you see them playing a lot of 500 baseball. They won that Houston series. Should, should have split with the, uh, with the Angels. Really blew that one game. And, uh, you know, rough, rough out in L.A. Normally it is on the West Coast. One, two of three at Minnesota. Very exciting. Coming home for four with Texas and three more than with uh, the Twins. Uh, good stuff is happening throughout this team. You know, there's some things that are worrying me, but there are some really good things uh, that are happening. You know, I was just peeking in at some of the averages, as I tend to do. I'm, I'm so old school with the averages. I still like to look at those averages. And a guy like Lurie Garcia, who continues to hit two, 282. He's hitting 282. The consistency of this guy at the top of the line. I'm a little worried about his defense out there. Some of the, uh, the breaks he makes in the outfield trouble me. Uh, I enjoyed seeing him in the infield. I thought he could play uh, some infield. You know, he's a multi-tool player, which is exciting. It's a guy that you need to have on the team. I don't know what's going to happen to him moving forward, especially when, when Robert comes up to this team, which I hope is sooner than later. Uh, but this guy has proven to Sox fans, he's proven to me, that this guy can hit at the top of the lineup. He's a table setter. He gets on base. He, he gets those clutch hits when you need it. You know, he's not going to really demonstrate the power, but that's okay. I mean, hitting 282, he's been flirting with 300 all year. Anderson, what can you say about this guy offensively? This guy came back from his ankle sprain, hitting 332. The power's there. And it looks like he's just having fun. And that's what the Sox missed when he was out. They, they missed that personality. You know, Stone talked about it. They missed that guy that... You know, when things were going bad, you could look at that guy and he would just brighten everybody up with his personality. He's having a hell of a year, 2019, just his attitude. You, you could just see he is trying to bring fun back 
to the south side of Chicago and hitting 332. That has, I mean, that came down to earth from where it was at the beginning of the season, but we all knew that was going to happen. But where he's at right now is leaps and bounds from where he was offensively uh, last year. You know, Abreu's hitting 276. That's crept up a little bit. Uh, that's under his, uh, you know, his career average. But man, he is he is ripping the ball. He he ripped the cover off the ball in this Minnesota series. He hit a bomb the other night that traveled to a deck in target field in the left center field that I don't see too many home runs hit. And his swing is just almost effortless when he gets a hold of it. You know, his numbers are, are we'll, we'll talk a little bit more Abreu in this episode, um, but where his numbers are in 2019 compared to other years. Uh, but it, it's just exciting to see this guy continue to hit. and He plays it in the field. Um, you know, I think he's going to have to take more of a DH role moving forward. Um, but, you know, I, for one, uh, am, am a Brave supporter. I want this guy on the team, and uh, I'm really excited for the year he's been having offensively. Juice ball or no juice ball, he's putting up some numbers. And uh, James McCann, man, we were all ready to, to, to get rid of James McCann a, a couple weeks ago. You know, I was starting to question if he's just, you know, nothing's left in the tank. He has, he's got the all-star year going, but at post all-star break, he really is scuffled, but that is no longer the case, man. He is back hitting 286, couple grand, couple grand slams in the last few weeks. And he still continues to do it defensively. Absolutely a rock behind home plate. I think he's been instrumental to this pitching staff. He calls a heck of a game. I mean, that dude is a smart, smart dude, and he gets the credit, but I don't think we give him enough credit as fans. i got to continue to remember, we have an actual bona fide catcher on this team. And, yeah, you could be looking at his career numbers, and you say, wait a second, I, I just don't know if we have enough this year to slap you know, a guaranteed starting position for this guy in 2020. I hope he sticks around. I hope the, uh, the management keeps this guy around. You know, they were smart enough to find this guy uh, after Detroit threw, threw him to the wayside. I hope they stick around with this guy. We need, we need a veteran catcher that especially knows the AL Central. Here's James McCann, who was with Detroit, that got to know the AL Central really well. And now he sticks in the Central. So he, he now has some great background knowledge uh, on the Central. And we need that with these young pitchers, especially for Kopech and Cease moving forward. And, and cross our fingers, Garrett Cole, or whoever that proven starter is uh, this offseason. Got to have it. Uh, so glad McCann's been heating it up offensively. Um, you know, pitching, pitching is what's going to beat good offense. We saw that uh, today in the finale of this Minnesota series with Giolito. But it's really been uh, Lopez and Nova um, that have been really surprising. And Nova, uh, of the staff, has been shocking. And I don't think it's surprising to him, but I think he himself is finding that, that old Nova. And, you know, the last seven games, let's just break down what Lopez, Nova, and Cease have been doing. Uh, the last seven games for Lopez, man, 3-3 three and three with a 3-5-3 ERA and a ratio of 39 Ks to 14 walks. It's about 3-1 to one ratio, not quite, but much different than pre-All-Star break. You know, you watch this guy pitch. You know, he's hitting his spots when he misses with that rising fastball. He misses outside of the zone. 
Okay, he, th that fastball of his doesn't rise into the zone or into at least, I would say, the power alley for some of these mashers like Nelson Cruz and, and Sano, uh, which was what the case was before the All-Star break. You know, Lopez would miss, and that rising fastball, his out pitch, would go right into the wheelhouse. Okay, he's trusting his secondary stuff, and he's not walking, guys. He's getting what he needs, especially out of jams with ground balls. The confidence is definitely surging for this guy. I'm rooting for him, and uh, I'm excited for the rest of this year. I think, I think we're starting to get a sample size from him. This is, what we're, this is the real Lopez. I don't know what was going on mentally. You know, it wasn't his stuff. I don't think he was hurt. I mean, because this is another guy that, that could give you close to 200 innings, um, you know, a season. I, I don't think it was injuries. I just think there was something mental that was going on. And, and he's figured it out. And Nova, you know, Champagne Supernova, last seven games, 5-1 and one with a 1-9-1 ERA and about a 2-to-1 a strikeout to walk ratio. I think he still needs to work on those walks, getting ahead of hitters. He throws a lot of pitches and he doesn't really strike a lot of guys out. But you know what? He's getting the job done. And how refreshing is it to see Nova come to the hill these days? I mean, that was not the case. He's starting to come back to his old self. You know, we talked in a previous podcast, Jeff and I, that you know, the reality is we might have this guy on the, on the starting rotation in 2020. You know, I don't know how much you're going to get out of Kopech. We, we hope he's healthy. It sounds like he's going to be, you know, no restrictions in spring training, no restrictions at the start of the season. You know, but just because you're healthy doesn't mean you're ready to be a pitcher in this league. You know, he had a limited, a limited sample size in, in 2018 at the end of the year, Kopech did. Um, you're going to rely a lot on your catcher. Hopefully it's McCann to help you navigate these hitters, navigate situations. So we might need to have, you know, a couple backup plans. And I could see Nova being back on this club. If Nova can stay healthy, he, he's got a Contreras feel to him. He's got a Jose Contreras type feel to him. The, the, just his motion and just kind of his bulldog grittiness. He grinds it out and, and you know, he wants to be out there. He wants that ball. He wants to finish the game. It reminds me a lot of Contreras, especially in 05. Now, Cease, man, you know, Cease has been wearing it. In the last seven games, he's 1-6 with a 6 ERA, 35 strikeouts to 17 walks. That's a 2-to-1 ratio, almost identically. Yeah, I've seen so many Cease games in person at Sox Park, and I've tried to watch or listen to just about everything he does on the road. And it's these two oh three one counts. He just, you know, he cannot get ahead of hitters. And then when you can't get ahead of hitters, you got to throw something in the zone, okay? And these guys are sitting on it right now. And he's got that one bad inning per start. Well, he'll give up three or four runs, and then he seems to settle down. It reminds me a lot of Giolito, especially last year, where he'd have that early, that bad inning, and then he would kind of right the ship, and then things got a little rocky after that still. C seems to be settling after that one rocky inning, but how do we prevent that one rocky inning? You know, I, I like his stuff. I like his velocity. I mean, he'll give you 97, 98 after throwing 100 and, you know, plus pitches. Um, you know, but it's getting ahead of counts. It's getting that secondary stuff over consistently to have the confidence. 
you know, hopefully he stays healthy. This is a learning year for him. I'm not too worried. You know, I'm not too worried about, um, you know, too, too worried about the numbers. I, I want him in situations. I want to see how he gets out of situations. You know, this is the blueprint he's going to have for the offseason. Um, you know, our, our, our rotating fifth starter, you know, whether it's Colby or, you know, right now it's Detweiler. And, you know, he's one in three with a six-plus ERA in the last seven games. He's had he's he's shown some some bright spots where it really hasn't been his fault. He's ground he he's tried to grind out some games, but you know the Detweiler and Covey thing, it, they're the they're the problem that we want to avoid in 2020. I, I don't want a rotating fifth starter, a guy that really has no business being there. We're asking these guys to probably do something that they really shouldn't be doing. They might be a long relief guy, or maybe they just don't have it for a major league starter. You know, we're asking these types of guys to do patchwork, all right, because the offseason wasn't very productive. Or we don't have guys um, at the Charlotte level that are ready to come up and be a starter for us. You know, we've got guys that are hurt, Rodon, Kopech. So we're trying to, we're trying to just, you know, Band-Aid tape, chewing gum, paper clips, hold this thing together. And, um, you know, with all the bright spots you have with Nova and Giolito, and now Lopez, you know, you've got those frustration moments. You know, I feel it, man, as a fan, and I know you folks feel it, you know, listening at, at, at home and watching these games, going to these games, like, here we go again. Here's this rotating fifth starter. You know, and right now it's Detweiler, and it's just a bummer. You know, he's going to be starting, um, you know, tomorrow as the Sox come home against Texas. Um, you know, we'll see, we'll see what we get from him. You know, if he can give me four or five innings, maybe six of two, three run ball, Texas can hit, you know, and then give it up to our, to our bullpen. Hopefully, the goal is for that rotating fifth starter, that question mark fifth starter, that Riddler-esque, what you're going to get, that Enigma fifth starter. You know, that, that's what we want to be gone uh, next season. We want to have a productive offseason and go into spring training 2020 with a pretty rock-solid rotation with a couple extra, you know, uh, security blankets built in, and Nova could be one of them. Speaking of, uh, you know, off-season and the dear, dear, sweet friends that, that help put this team together, I'm speaking of Rick Hahn right now. You know, he's going to have a lot on his plate this off-season. He, uh, during this rebuild has proven some things to us. He's able to sell off assets and he can get a return, but he has not landed that big fish, that, that free agency that's going to lock some things together, especially an anchor for the staff. And we're waiting. We're waiting. And uh, I, I, I'm starting to sense Han's frustration with fans too. You know, uh, Chuck Garfine and, and, and folks over at NBC Sports Chicago uh, they've got this Sox Talk podcast. I've listened to it. And they did a live uh, podcast from Reggie's in the South Loop. I'm, I'm sure you might have uh, heard about this or, or even listened yourself. And this was a couple weeks ago. And, and, and Han and, and company that were interviewing him, you know, very, you know, very objective. It had a toe the line. I get that. I think Reinsdorf actually even, you know, owns part of NBC Sports Chicago. So I'm not surprised by some of the softball questions. Um, you could get a sense of Hans' frustration with uh, Sox fans on Twitter and 
the, the quick to react of the decisions that uh, are being made. And, you know, Han really made himself out to be, you know, he was playing both sides. You know, he's, he's a lawyer. He's got a law degree. Kind of playing both sides of, you know, I get what it's like. You know, we, we haven't really proven ourselves as an organization and you should be pissed. But then there was this other side of, you know, we did everything we possibly could with Machado. I wouldn't do anything different. You know, I, I don't appreciate all the negativity on Twitter. And I, I just, I don't get the, I, I don't get Han's position of, of trying to, you know, tamp down Twitter trolls. What, so what? You know, Twitter, you know, a podcast, Facebook, blogs. I mean, you know, we have an opportunity as fans to speak our mind. And there's a lot of restlessness as a fan. You know, this offseason was horrible. It was a disaster. Aside from McCann and some of our, some of our guys like Mancata and uh, Giolito working some things out, it was, it was a disaster. And we want to avoid that. And, and until this team spends big money on a proven free agent, not a washed-up free agent, not a guy that we're going to throw money to that's on the second half of his career, but a guy in his prime. And the talent, it's a watered-down pool, this free agency. So there might have to be a package trade. We, you might have to say goodbye to some of these prospects. You know, but until that happens... And we really gamble and gamble correctly, which is, is, is difficult to do. This fan base is going to be just irritated. It's going to hold Han accountable, and it should. And if, and if Garfine and McDuffie and NBC Sports Chicago has a problem with you know, the softball questions or how things were going at the, at the live podcast, like deal with it. You know, not everybody can make a live recording in the South Loop to ask questions that may or may not even be answered. You know, and when I sit at SoxFest and Han gets up there and asking questions, you know, he puts his GM spin on things. Yeah, he's going to protect himself. I'll be really interested to see this offseason at SoxFest what happens with that Q&A. But, you know, Han, you got to relax, man. If you think this is bad, it's only going to get worse. And for Han to start alluding to 2020 might be year four of the rebuild, and you know we're, we're not really sure about you know Robert coming up, and it, it, will he be up at the start of 2020? That stuff really worries me. It really does. I mean, alluding to 2020 is another you know tough rebuild year. I, I I look at 2020, and I know we've had injuries that have set things back, but I look at 2020 as a competitive year. That is a year that I think this team can really be viable for the wild card spot throughout the entire season and might even sniff that division title. I see this team as being extremely competitive in 2020. You've got to make the right moves, though, in the offseason. You've got to go after those guys. You've got to go after an anchor. We need a DH. We, need, we don't need a revolving door at DH again. You, know, you look at teams like Minnesota that can hit they can put out big numbers. The differential is crazy. I mean, these guys can hit. We could have had Cruz. We could have gambled on Nelson Cruz. Sox didn't. That's fine. Learn from that. You know, and so if Han's got a problem with the way, you know, folks on Twitter, and, and, and there's a difference between, you know, making ridiculous threats to people and, you know, taking it to the extreme, but 
if Sox Twitter has a problem with what Han's doing, they should be able to speak their mind. You know, and it's not just Han. It seems like Ricky's got a problem too. You know, Renteria, I've defended this guy. You know, and if Jeff was here on the on this episode with me, and uh, you know, he would he would definitely give it to me because you know I got to defend Ricky, but. Uh, you know, some of his comments that he made recently, you know, about sabermetrics, I agree, but I also, you know, I, I, I disagree. So re- recently, I don't know if you saw this in the, in the papers this week, Ricky Renteria said about just his managing, his, st- his managing styles in general, I don't discount numbers. Never did, never will. I'm not going to appeal to the sabermetrician. If they don't like it, I don't give a shit. I do things because I believe it's the right thing to do. If that puts me on the outs, that's fine, but I know my guys. Now, if you're watching uh, Sacks Baseball regularly, which I'm sure you are listening or just you know checking in the day after on the recaps uh, for the last three years, you know that Ricky is not a sabermetrics guy. Okay, He's an old school guy. He bunts. He might do a squeeze. And I'm surprised he even shifts the amount of times that he shifts defensively. Um, this guy is an old school approach. Um, I, I, I want to hope that he listens to some sabermetrics, but I understand where he's coming from with that. You know, I feel like I actually have an old school approach as well, and I know there's others that are listening. Uh, you want to bunt a guy over? It's a, it's, a, it's a tough game. We're just not grinding out runs or hits, and you got a guy on second with nobody out and you want to try to bunt him over to third to maybe drive in a sacrifice run, I get that numbers might show you that that's a, it's a wasted out. You know, you'd rather just have this guy swing away. But, you know, sometimes you got to go with your gut. And, and I, hey, I give uh, Renteria a lot of credit for saying what he said here. I think he's bringing on a lot of criticism. But you know what? If this guy doesn't mind it, bring it on. I, we know where he stands now. It seems very black and white. Uh, I personally, if you've been listening to this podcast, uh, and and I appreciate that, I stand by Ricky, and I really think that he's going to be our manager the next time this this team makes the playoffs. I really do. I don't see anybody out there that you you could just put in and have better results. Uh, You know, maybe, maybe Vizquel, you know, there's talk of like, oh, wouldn't it be great if Ozzy came back? I just don't think that would ever happen. You know, forget Girardi. I, th- why? What's the point of that? I mean, here's a guy in Ricky that's been around since 2017. He's been here in 2018. He's been here in 2019. Now, just because he's been here through the whole rebuild doesn't entitle him to be with his team when they win. You know, we saw that when he was with the Cubs. But I firmly believe if you give this man, if you give Renteria a competitive lineup up and down and at least four starting pitchers, Five would be great. I think you're going to see an above 500 team. Now, if he can't put if he can't put a competitive team on the field with a healthy uh, with a healthy roster, then yeah, yeah, I think his time is over on the south side. But I have not seen him have a competitive team go into battle and get the results. You know, we'll see. I, I hope 2020 is that year. You know, maybe Sox Brass have someone in mind, and they're, and they're saying to themselves, Ricky, we know we want somebody else. We're not even going to give you the opportunity 
to manage a competitive team. We already know and have known that someone else is going to be our manager when this team gets competitive, which is pretty much what the Cubs did for him. I, I hope that's not the case. I like this guy. From the first time I heard him talk at Sox Fest 2017, I, I just you know, I think his bite baseball IQ was off the chart. He was well-spoken. You know, it sounded like he's in it, man. The passion was there. And uh, I know that doesn't always net results. And I know it's 2019. It's not uh, 1989. And you got to look at numbers. You got to look at the facts sometimes. But I do like that he, hey, I know my guys. I trust my gut. And, you know, we'll see how this plays out. But thicker skin for both of those guys because, man, we're, we're in the dog days of this season and uh, I, you know, I, I think there's a lot of exciting stuff for the rest of this season. But you know, it's still a struggle right now. It's still a struggle. And you know, these Sox fans that you follow on Sox Twitter, the podcast that you listen to, man, there's a lot of passion out there, which is awesome. And uh, I, you know, I'm really looking forward to to seeing what what develops the rest of this year and moving into 2020. Uh, a couple things that. Uh, you know, Jeff and I have not been able to touch on that happened uh, a few weeks ago. Um, you know, we, we talked about some of the negative social media buzz with uh, what Han and Renteria are, are, you know, being dragged through or what they're putting themselves through. Uh, some, some, inter- some positive things that I think, you know, are good for the Sox PR-wise. Uh, this Field of Dreams game that's uh, coming to Dyersville, Indiana, or I'm sorry, Iowa, Dyersville, Iowa, next season, is really interesting. Uh, Sox playing the Yankees next summer in August 2020 at a constructed field, uh, just a hop, skip, and a jump for where the Field of Dreams uh, movie took place in Dyersville. Um, what does that mean? You know, what does is, is, what is ESPN see? Does ESPN banking on the Sox being a competitive team? And, uh, you know, the Sox are able to be on a national stage with, uh, you know, some of their stars that hopefully are shining, Moncada, Anderson, Robert, Madrigal, Kopech, Cease, Giolito, maybe a couple free agents. Or does that even not play into anything? Is it more just because the Sox were a focus in the movie? You know, I do think it's interesting that the Sox get, you know, uh, Dyersville, Iowa, and the Cubs might be going to London, I think. You know, it, boy. Uh, different scales. Would you rather follow your team to Dyersville or would you rather follow your team to London and have that experience? Does it even matter? You know, does it even matter from a fan's perspective? For me, you know, it's cute and all. Um, I I have never been out to that Field of Dreams location, but I've got some family and friends that have, and it sounds like a logistical nightmare to put this 8,000-seat stadium with one dirt road that goes in and out um, of that area you know, I feel like they're going to have to restructure a bunch of different things. Uh, and, and 8,000 seats, you know, what's the ticket situation going to be like? Do, do you even want to go? You know, is it just going to be a bunch of corporate folks rubbing elbows? You know, I think it's great that the baseball's doing this. And uh, I know Dyersville is looking like this is like the Super Bowl for them. You know, hotels are booking up left and right. Uh, well, a year in advance. Uh, it's it's exciting for the Sox to always be in the national spotlight, and you hope it's for positive reasons. This time it is. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to the game, but I'm more looking forward to a competitive year next year. 
Um, speaking of you know some other experimental stuff that the Sox are uh, were trying to do is this past weekend. Uh, Steve Stone was uh, on vacation, and, and the Sox had a rotating cast of uh, color commentators to be with Benetti, and uh, nothing was more colorful than Friday night uh, in L.A. with Bill Walton, with Benetti. I, I was texting with Jeff, and we, we talked about this in person. What in the world was going on there? Walton is a nut. I mean, I've had some experience with this guy just watching him doing some base, uh, basketball games. And, you know, he it's almost like he's never seen a baseball game before. Some of the comments that he was making, and, and I know a lot of it was just for, you know, shock value. And it almost sounded like he had a lot of pre-written statements that he was going to say no matter if it happened or not. But, you know, it, it brought some attention. And, you know, it, hey, it's fun. It was, it was interesting. It, it, it seems like Benetti and Walton have a relationship that they've had in the, in the college basketball ranks. So that was fun to see them work together. But yeah, I talked to some people, um, you know, that were watching the game. They had to turn the volume off. They're like, I can't deal with this Walton guy. You know, it just is too much. He's everywhere but nowhere. Uh, so I think, it, I think it was either you love it or you hate it. Uh, and then they had a couple other folks um, on this past weekend, some hit or misses. You know, doing color is tough. I mean, doing a baseball game is difficult in general. Uh, Benetti was doing most of the one of the games on his own, and then later in the game he had some guests. That's tough to do on your own. Uh, I mean, good on the Sox for trying some different things. You know, especially uh, when they've got a built-in you know vacation for Stone. Um, I'd love to I'd love to know your take on the Walt thing. You can you can hit us up on Twitter at GoodGuysTB. I know Jeff's got some comments on this. Uh, you know, was it even enjoyable, or was it more just a PR thing for the Sox to get a little bit more attention on uh, on social media? Uh, I was at Harold Baines Day this past Sunday, uh, kind of the culmination of this uh, this Harold Baines year. Uh, the Sox have been really doing everything they can to promote uh, Baines going into the Hall of Fame from having you know, different bobblehead charity uh, promotional uh, items at the stadium. Uh, proceeds go to charity. They've got um, you know, uh, the cover of the media guide is all about Harold Baines. They've got you know, Harold Baines in the yearbook and um, obviously they, they needed to culminate it with a day and they, they did a nice job. You know, they gave away a replica hall of fame plaque and they had the actual hall of fame plaque in the concourse with a life-size bobblehead. You could take pictures with both uh, the ceremony I thought was pretty well attended. Um, you know, you gotta, you gotta pay tribute to these guys. And, and I love that the Sox just took a moment to do this and you knew it was going to happen for a guy like Baines, uh, Ron Karkovice shows up, uh, Carlton Fisk is there, of course Gian is there, Kittle, who, who said some words and, and was at the actual Hall of Fame induction, uh, and then Ventura was there, Robin Ventura was there, and I think that was the first time he's been back to the stadium in any type of notable uh, position, and he got a really nice applause, and, and he should, you know. Ventura managing uh, for those years, he should have never been the manager for the Sox. He got thrown into a situation that did not set him up for success. Uh, loved him as a player. Loved him as a player. 
uh, he was on some great teams, and boy, was he a fun electric player to watch. And uh, I, I just don't think the Sox knew what the hell they were doing. Um, you know, once Gian left, and here's a guy in Ventura that's beloved by the fan base. You know, put this guy in, almost like a Denny Savard with the Blackhawks. Fans aren't going to hate him. They'll give him, you know, some some rope. They'll give him some leeway. But it was an experiment that went way too long. And uh, I, I, I fond memories of Ventura, and I, I can't blame him too much for being in the situation that he was in. So I'm glad he came back and was uh, at this ceremony, and I'm glad the fans gave him the applause he deserves. Um, some exciting stuff for this team moving forward. Uh, you got to be excited about Abreu. You know, here's a guy that's hitting 276. You know, he's got, he's got 28 home runs right now and 96 RBIs. Uh, that is, you know, above and beyond what he had last year. You know, he was hurt last year. He only played in 128 games, uh, under 500 at bats, just barely. Uh, his numbers just weren't there last year. And he's bounced back, and, and we still have a little over a month left of this season. Um, here's a guy that's, you know, hitting close to 30 home runs and 100 RBIs every single year since he's been with the Sox in 2014. This is a guy that gets clutch hits. He's a leader. You know, things that just aren't going to show up in the box score. We believe he's taken guys like Aloy, Mancada, and wants to take a guy like Robert under his wing. I know he doesn't uh, really want to play DH consistently, but I think he's going to have to, especially when Vaughn shows up. So with him coming into the offseason looking for a contract extension from the Sox, I think he's going to get it. I think it's going to be two to three years. You know, he's going to be playing primarily DH um, in maybe 2021. Maybe he'll split in 2020. We'll see what they do in the uh, offseason with free agents. But I want this guy on the team. I really do. I, I know certain, you know, fan graph numbers or sabermetric numbers, you know, it shows that, you know, he's really dipped, um, and I know he he's logged a lot of years before he came to the United States. But I still think that this guy's got he's got more in the tank for this team. And I know folks don't really care too much about retired numbers, or maybe it's too big of a deal. But if this guy gets a two to three year extension with this club, I, I can see I can see Abreu's 79 being retired by the Sox. I really do. This guy's been great for this team, and uh, I, I really hope he sticks around. And I hope he gets to see some winning baseball. And it sure sounds like he is all kinds of excited about what's going to be happening in 2020. Got to be excited for McCann. Uh, you know, he, his offense has sparked back up. His defense has been solid. Excited for... Excited for Tim Anderson's offense coming back from that ankle injury. And uh, I'm really excited to see Mankata come back uh, from his injury. It sounds like he might be coming back this weekend um, against Texas. Well, that's it for me on this episode 35 of Good Guys Talk Back. It's everything Chicago White Sox, a fan-centric blue-collar podcast. For Jeff Julian, I am Nick Morawski. We really appreciate you joining us and and staying with us. Please pass this podcast along. Uh, Follow us on Twitter at GoodGuysTB. 
you can find us on Facebook, on our Facebook page, Good Guys Talk Back. You can find this podcast everywhere you find your podcasts. Subscribe, and it will show up right into your inbox. Until next time, go Sox!